You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be uh, with you this morning and to uh, be able to worship God together. Ah, I was just, uh, yeah, it's a bit, um, it's a little bit sad to hear yesterday uh, that uh, Tim Keller, a great Christian a scholar and a great Christian pastor, actually, from the U.S., uh, died at the age of 72. And uh, so that was, um, yeah, just to really thank God uh, for a man like that who's been a great leader in our Christian community around the world. Well, the Bible is one big book in two parts. You've got the Old Testament and we've got the New Testament. It's uh, built up of a total of 66 books And 39 of those books are in the Old Testament. In fact, the Old Testament makes up, um, in terms of words and so forth, about three quarters of the whole of the Bible. So you can see it is really central to what we believe. But maybe, you know, when you pick up your Bible and you turn to the Old Testament, it might feel a little bit... A little bit hard to understand, a little bit intimidating, maybe a bit even confusing sometimes. You can start with uh, Genesis and you read the first 20 chapters and there's lots of stories there and you can understand it. Um, you know, you keep moving along, you get to Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and then, you know, by the time you get to Numbers, you just feel like giving up. <laughs> Reading the Old Testament often uh, can lead us a little bit perhaps with a few more questions than we have answers sometimes. So that's why we are doing this overview of the whole of the Old Testament, to help us have a better understanding uh, and help us perhaps to better navigate through the Old Testament. So I'm very excited that we're going to be uh, doing this. We're going to go through it together uh, as a church uh, over a period of six weeks. And together, we're going to see something of the whole big story of the Bible, uh, which spans from both the Old all the way to the New Testament. And through this series, uh, we're going to be hearing the word kingdom quite a lot, the kingdom of God, because that's really the key to connecting the whole Bible together. And when you hear the word kingdom, why do you think about three things? That God's kingdom is God's people living in God's place under God's rule and blessing. So this series is based actually on a book by uh, Vaughan Roberts. It's called God's Big Picture. So uh, our life groups and others will be studying uh, through a Bible study series based on that book. And go, go a bit deeper into it, obviously. Well, let us pray. Help us, Heavenly Father, uh, to understand and to really cherish uh, your word in the Old Testament. And that through it, you'll help us to experience something more of your glory and help us to be transformed uh, more into the image of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, children will, of course, always ask the question, 
Where did I come from? How did I get here? Everybody wants to, everybody wants to know, you know, what is their origin? Where did I come from? And uh, you'd be very interested to know. My parents' answer to that question when I was a child was, we bought you at the market. Now, it must have been one fantastic market, let me tell you. I'm sure it wasn't the Preston market. <laughs> uh, and orphan children will often want to know something more about who, who are my parents. And they want to understand their heritage and where they came from. And see, understanding our origin gives us a real sense of meaning. You know, who am I exactly? Where did I come from? You know, this is a question that all of us want an answer to in our lives. I mean, how would you write your origin story? How would you explain to other people who you are and, and where you came from and where you're going in your life? Maybe you'd struggle to answer that question at the moment. I don't know. Maybe you're still working on it. But it's important, isn't it? You know, to have an answer to these really fundamental questions in our lives. Because it really sets the direction of our life where I am going. Now, normally when someone uh, picks up the Bible, they turn to the first page and they start reading it. And of course, you've got Genesis chapter 1, which Neil read for us this morning. And that gives the origin story, doesn't it? That we all share together, actually. It tells us who we are and why we're here. Genesis chapter 1 introduces three realities to us that really sets the scene, it sets the course for all of human history. And as we understand our past, we can better make sense of the present and our future as well. And the first thing we see here is God. The reality of a powerful God. Look at how the Bible begins here in Genesis. It says, in the beginning, God. God is the ultimate reality. He was there from the very beginning. Before the beginning of the universe, in fact, he created every single thing. And when you, you just see the beauty of this world, look at the beauty of a painting. You know, you go to a gallery and you see a beautiful painting and you really appreciate it. But then, you know, when you read who is the artist and, and uh, why did he create this beautiful artwork, that just enriches our appreciation for it, doesn't it? Because the artist brings meaning and purpose to that great painting. As you enter a rainforest and it's uh, filled with beautiful wildlife and uh, you really appreciate it for what it is, it's just spectacular. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? It didn't just come out of nothing. <laughs> it came from a powerful God. A powerful God who brings meaning and purpose to the things that we see, to all the things that we experience in our world. And we see that in Genesis chapter 1 here. 
Just appreciate the repetition that it goes through here. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And verse 9, and God said, let the waters be gathered together. And verse 11, and God said, verse 14, and God said. It's a remarkable truth, isn't it? The truth that what we see in our world reveals a God who is so powerful that he can just speak all things into existence. It's incredible, isn't it? When Genesis was written, of course, there were lots of other origin stories actually already around. Uh, many believe that there were lots of different gods. You know, there was a god of the sun, there was a god of the sea, there was the god of agriculture. And even today, uh, people will, will they'll say to me, you know, I've got my god, you've got your god. And in our culture today, you know, Genesis speaks out about one god. A God who doesn't compete with other gods. A God who speaks creation into being. Which shows us even more so that not only is he a powerful God, but he's a relational God. He wants to be known by us. In verse 22, God speaks directly and personally to creation. And he says, be fruitful and multiply. You see, God's word brings meaning and purpose to the world. He gives that purpose to us. That's why the Bible is so important. Because it is God's very word. God speaking to us now, today as well. Every time you open the Bible, you know, when you open the Bible at church here, as we have today, when you open the Bible at home, we encounter God when we read the Bible. We hear him speak to us. It's amazing, isn't it? That in the Bible, we know how to relate to God. You don't have to guess. We have God right there with us in his word. So the first reality begins with God. But our origin story is uh, defined uh, also by a good world, isn't it? Verse 2, the earth was formless and void, darkness over the face of the deep. Genesis describes an existence here without any form, with emptiness and maybe chaos and a void with darkness. But in creating the world, God then brings forth order from that darkness from that chaos and he makes light shine into this darkness and again we see it in the repetition here verse 4 God separated light from the dark verse 7 God separated the waters above and below verse 14 God separated the day from the night and all these separations they point to a world that's deliberately planned, a world that's deliberately made exactly the way it is. God brings order into this chaos. Notice uh, God's intrinsic design. He first creates space and then he fills that space. In, as we 
heard the story read to us, you're hearing uh, days one to three, God creates space. He creates a day, he creates the night, he creates the sky and the water and the land. And then in days four to six, he fills those spaces. He brings about the sun and the moon and the stars and the fish, the birds, the animals, and then finally, a people. Genesis speaks against other creation stories. Uh, there was one ancient story uh, they had about creation where it just basically said that um, one of the gods accidentally sneezed and that brought um, creation into being, it brought life into the world. Even today, we believe that the world was created randomly, people believe, don't they? That it was just by chance. That over billions and billions of years, uh, through lots of different tryouts, eventually we've got what we've got today. Random. But Genesis says something very different. The reason the world feels like it's made by design, because it actually is. We have a God who created and designed and planned the world just as it is. And this designer who created our world, he created it with purpose. Notice how God repeatedly describes it. It says in verse 4, God saw the light and it was good. Verse 10, God saw that it was good. Verse 12, God saw that it was good. What's God doing when he you know, repeatedly says that the world that he designed is good. Mate, he's enjoying it. He's loving it. What's God doing when he repeatedly says this? He's just enjoying what he's doing, creating a beautiful, beautiful world. You know, some religions and some worldviews, they see the world as basically evil. And... You know, their goal is to, to lose our attachment to the physical world. But not for us. Our goal is to appreciate the beauty and the wonder and the grandness of God's creation and to enjoy it. Enjoy it with God. That's how we worship God. By enjoying all that he has created along with him. What a wonderful, wonderful world we have. That was a song, wasn't it? What a wonderful world. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his wonderful handiwork. It's all about God. And it's all absolutely beautiful. When you see, you know, that spectacular Scenery, when you look down from a high mountain and you see the creation around you, it just takes your breath away, doesn't it? I remember when uh, we uh, were travelling around Central Australia and we managed to get up to the top of Ayers Rock. You're not allowed to do that today, but we did. And we just looked around us and it was just magnificent. Now, there's a reason that people say that a sunrise... Is like, it's almost like a spiritual experience. 
Because, you know, when you draw close to creation, you experience just a glimpse of God's glory. You see, because it points to a wonderful creator. Now, of course, um, this brings a lot of questions that people have, uh, particularly today, you know. How does science and how does science and faith, how do they work together? There's lots of questions about uh, the creation account here in Genesis. You know, was, was the world created in literally three uh, days or was it three periods of time? But you need to remember that Genesis, I mean, it wasn't written as a science book wasn't written to answer those kinds of questions. Science is also always concerned about the how. How did it happen? How did the universe get there? But Genesis is not trying to answer the question how. I mean, think about it. When you receive a gift at your door, the first question you asked isn't how did it get there, but rather who gave it to you? And what is it? What is it for? Genesis tells us who. Genesis tells us why. What is our purpose in life? It's not there to try and tell us how God did it. Which then brings us to our last reality. Our origin story tells us that we are blessed people. We're blessed. We really are. You know, the climax of creation here in verse 26, it says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. When a baby's born, uh, we often say, wow, he or she, she looks just like her parents, or at least one of them. (laughs) It's the same with God. When he created us in his image, we all bear the family resemblance. We do look like him. The God of Genesis, he's not made in our image. We're made in his image. We are God's image. We are living evidence of our creator. Verse 26 we see the defining mark here of being made in God's image. We've got a job. We're to rule over God's creation. We're to have dominion over it, over all of God's creation. So what's our purpose in life? We're to reflect God's glory. We do that by working and caring for his creation. And we do this in lots of different ways, don't we? I mean, for example, a a builder, he takes all of the raw materials, he takes bricks and wood and he, he orders them and he builds a lovely home for people. Or a chef who takes all of these raw ingredients and he orders them and makes this amazing meal for people to eat. A doctor who, who takes symptoms and he orders them and comes up with a diagnosis and then he prescribes medication for healing. Now you might not realise it, 
But we do all of these amazing things because we're made in God's own image. Verse 27, both male and female were created in God's image. Now, we don't think of it, that as a big deal today, but in its time, that was a radical thought. Genesis spoke into a world where women were seen to be uh, way less than equal to men. They were just seen as property. But Genesis could not be clearer. Both men and women are made in God's image and are of totally equal value in his sight. I mean, our international human uh, rights that, we, that people talk about today, it's founded on this fact that all human beings are made with dignity and with worth. They're made in God's image. This Christian worldview, it just points to something very concrete, doesn't it? It means that every single life, every single person matters. No matter whether they're weak or strong or rich or poor, black or white, it doesn't matter. This is why, you know, in our world, poverty and injustice is unacceptable because God's image has infinite value and infinite worth. Every person is made in God's image. You know, Genesis really makes sense of all the things that we instinctively know to be good and true. The value of every human life. The value of men and women. The value of children, rich or poor. But God's commission here is radically different. He tells us in verse 28 to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and have dominion over God's creation. God's commission here is for the good of all humanity. It enables us really to flourish and to enjoy the world that God's provided for us, doesn't it? You know, in other religions, the expectation is that people provide for God. You know, there's a lot of religions where people make food offerings to God uh, every day. And that even happens today. Uh, Gal and I remember seeing it when we were in Bali. But God doesn't need our food. In verse 29, it says, God provides food for us. What's God like? The God who spoke creation into being. He takes the form of a servant to provide for us, to provide for our needs. A servant is a position that God seems to have always taken from the very beginning of time. Look at some of the gods that we have in our world. They seem to want to make slaves of us. The God of you know, giving all of our time to our job, 
um, the God of wanting to um, make some big deal of our own reputation, the God of money, often feel like they take everything from us, these gods. They want everything of us. They drain our time and our energy and our strength. They consume us, all of our thoughts and emotions. And it's never enough. You always want to work harder. You always want more money. You never feel that you're fully loved by anyone. All these gods say to us is, give me your life. Only our God, only the true God, gives his life for us. Only the true God lays down his life for us. And then in, uh, on the seventh day in chapter 2, as, uh, as Neil read to us, God rested from all of his work. Why? Why did God rest? Because there was nothing more to do. And that's exactly how it should be, isn't it? You see, God created a world which was perfect and, and balanced and, and in harmony with itself. A world where both work and rest uh, were in equilibrium. And God enjoyed it and loved it. And you know, that's that's our origin story. That's your origin story. That's mine. This is who we are. This is why we're here on this earth. That's why we're here today, isn't it? How the God of the Old Testament um, begins. The Old Testament begins, you know, in this way. It's the foundation, isn't it? It sets a stage for everything else to come through Genesis and the rest of the books of the Old Testament. Creation really establishes the way that God works through the whole of the Bible. And later on, of course, we're going to find out how um, uh, God speaking is so important. Why was it so important? Uh, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The reason God's word is so powerful. The reason that God's word is so relational is because God's word is Jesus himself. And we learn that later on, don't we? Jesus was with God in the very beginning, created, creating us in his image. Look at how Paul builds on creation in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says there, For God said... Let light shine out of darkness. Has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe in him for your salvation, you're actually experiencing the power of God. The power of God from creation. He's created new life in you. Every promise in the Bible rests on creation. 
It really does. I mean, if you believe that God has the power to create this entire world from absolutely nothing, then you can believe that God has the power to raise a man from the dead. If you believe in creation, then you can believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And if you believe that God blesses humanity, he blesses people, and he provides for us just like a servant, then it makes all sense, doesn't it? That God would again take the attitude of a servant and give his life for you and for me on the cross. Give salvation to us. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Genesis 1 helps me to see everything. It makes sense of our experience in the world today and it gives meaning and value to our lives. So at the end of Genesis 1, uh, the pattern of God's kingdom, it's, it's really established here. We see God's people the very first human beings, Adam and Eve, living in God's place, the world that God created for them. And they're enjoying God's perfect rule and blessing to them as they reflect God's glory in their own lives, as they care for the world that God had given them. And that's exactly the way that it should be. And that's how God created it in the first place. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to see how things progress from there. And, of course, um, how it progresses through the whole of the Old Testament. Next week, we're going to be looking at uh, what happens next. What, in fact, went wrong. But we'll do that next week. Let's pray. Lord our God, Lord of heaven, Lord of earth, we just marvel at your incredible creative power and impulse. We're in awe of all that you have done, that you just spoke the world into existence and that you speak to us today, that you speak to me directly, Lord. Help us never to really lose that sense of all that we have in your creation, in the beauty that you have made, in all that you've provided for us, in this life that you've given to us. And also as we think and wonder at that new life, the new life that you've given to us today and the new life to come in Jesus. Thank you for your servant, Jesus Christ, who humbled himself even to death on the cross. And Lord, as we, over these weeks, um, look to encounter you through the pages and the book of the Old Testament, uh, help us that we may see Jesus Christ in all of his glory. 
Help us to see him more and more clearly each day. In his name we pray. Amen.